Amen. I said amen louder than everyone else for that. Um, thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, the whole team. Oh, bless you. Um, for your invitation. It's lovely to be back here and great to see such a crowd. Um, what a wonderful evening you have here. Oh, I can't do this. I'm going to try and make it. I'm trying to keep myself to time. Um, what I really believe is that the Lord wants to speak to each one of you as you've come tonight. Each one of us are unique individuals. You may have come with a friend who you're sitting next to, who you know really well, and you think, we are like sisters, we think exactly the same, but do you know you are exactly unique, and God knows exactly what your needs are. And what I really truly believe is that he has something to say to you tonight. There are going to be many words spoken tonight, because they have very generously given me about, I don't know, well, it's going to be longer. It's somewhere between that half an hour and an hour we're going to be together. I'm going to be speaking a lot of words, and I don't expect you to remember all of them. I don't expect you to remember 90% of them. I do want you to really take the word that the Lord gives you tonight, and it will be something specifically tailored for you. And so to that end, I really want you to, as you're sitting there, I want you, maybe it will help you to put your hand on your heart because I want us to pray that we would be, each one of us, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to what he's saying to us. And Lord, um, just as they've prayed that I will be able to speak articulately, I really pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the words that are spoken tonight, whether it's through me or through someone else, that you would take the words that you have for each of us and that you'd make, make us sensitive to them, that we would hide them in our hearts and that as we go from this place, they would become the bread of life to us. That we would really thrive and flourish and grow and become everything that you have planned for us for your glory. Amen. So just be aware of when you feel in your heart just a quickening, whoa, that, I think that's for me, and hang on to it. And don't worry if you don't remember anything else, all right? Uh, we've got Psalm 68 here, which was read so beautifully. I don't know what you made of that. What stuck out to you? Probably some things did, some things didn't, and probably as we read it through, you thought, what on earth was that bit about? Did you? There were some quite weird things. Um, it won't surprise you to know that the Jewish Study Bible says that many consider this to be the most difficult psalm in the Psalter. When I read that, I thought, oh dear, why did I choose to speak on that one? Anyway... Um, it may be very mysterious, but Paul obviously rates it because he quotes it in the New Testament. And I was interested to discover that the Anglican liturgy, how many of you are Anglicans here? A goodly number that always turn up in a building like this. Well, um, the Anglican liturgy has uh, asked for this psalm to be read on Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, is the coming of the Spirit. 
And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think the Holy Spirit can ever be boxed up and understood. He is, there's something of a mystery about the Holy Spirit. I still don't claim to understand just the nth part of how he works and how he, uh, how he uh, is. So it's not surprising that there are going to be things in Scripture and in this psalm which we probably don't particularly understand. The important thing is that there are some things which are very readily understood and we need to take those. And those are the things we need to deal with. And the first thing, so I want to um, really look at this psalm because I believe that um, it, it is a very prophetic psalm. Prophecies sometimes not immediately understood. Sometimes prophecies um, you can only understand with time. The interesting thing about this psalm is that women are all the way through it. Women are threaded all the way through it. And I just want to pick out three times that uh, women occur in this psalm because I believe that it was written, in a sense, with us in mind. And the psalmist writer wants us to be encouraged by it. So here's the first thing. I'll, I'll tell you what all three are. The first one is about being protected. The second one is about being prophetic. And the third one is about being praising. That doesn't sound like good English. Praising women, full of praise. They all begin with P. That's why I told you, because I thought that was quite... I mean, it just happened like that. That's amazing. So the first, the first one, we are protected women. We are protected women. I don't know what you... Have you got your Bibles in front of you? Because it might be worth you looking at this if you do have them in front of you. But the first few verses of this psalm talk not about women, nor about men, but about our God. May God arise. May God arise. He is great. And he has enemies. That's the first few verses. How many of you are aware that things go wrong in the world? How many of you are here because you know that God reigns? Okay, those two things are important to just remember, and that's what these first few verses are all about. May God arise because God is great, and may his enemies, may his enemies just be scattered. Blown away like smoke, so easy to blow smoke. But when we look at the things that are wrong, when we look at the things that are against us, when we look at the things which are um, in opposition to us, they don't look like they are smoke very often. But when we get on our knees and start praying that for God to arise and realize who God is, then we begin to get our enemies in perspective. May God arise. This is a great God. He rides on the clouds. Don't you like that thought? He rides on the clouds. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a sort of vision in my mind of huge, big, puffy white clouds and God sort of 
seated on the top of puffy white clouds and floating along the sky. And I don't think that's what this is about at all. I think, and you'll find this further along in the psalm, the clouds that the Lord is riding along are clouds of power. And the clouds of power are rain clouds, thunder clouds. Thunder clouds are very loud, and they're always accompanied by flashes of lightning. And there's a picture in nature when there's a huge storm, you feel the power. And this is a picture of the God of power. He's not some sort of floaty, cotton wool type of God. He's a God of power. And when it thunders, that is like God's whisper. Because he thunders and lightning crashes around him. And this is the God we want to arise. And then it says, the Lord is his name. And Dawn couldn't help but go, the Lord is his name. Did you notice that? (laughs) And I couldn't help feeling a whole host of women behind going, yes. (laughs) And then it says the most extraordinary thing, if you look in your Bibles. Sing to God, the God who rides on these clouds, the Lord is his name. And then it says how he names himself a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. Think about it for a moment. This God of power and might, the God who created nature and all the power around us that we see, we've seen it in the storms around us, this God of power and might is the God who is the father to the fatherless, those who are most helpless and a defender of widows, those who are most vulnerable. And he is so great that he will take his name from the most vulnerable. And of course, the widows at the time of this uh, psalm being written and all through the scripture were women in the society, were women in society who were helpless because they were without financial support, they were without any male protection. It's not quite the same now, although it may well feel that way. But widows were truly helpless. And so it's a picture of women who are and feel and maybe even find themselves in a really vulnerable or helpless situation. Is that the case nowadays? Well, you don't have to go very far in the world to discover that women are indeed the most vulnerable, the most marginalized, the most um, marginalized educationally, financially, most... Uh, in poverty in parts of the world which we call the developing world. It's the women who are really suffering. It's the women who are really going through hardship. And this God is their God. Um, I have had the um, great privilege of being able to travel 
for new wine and tear fund and all sorts of pe people to places and meet women who I find truly admirable in places where they're finding life really hard. So some of you may have been to these places before, but for example, uh, some years ago I was in Tibet and the women there do back-breaking work because they carry huge loads on their back and they, more often than not, have back problems because of it. And they work in the fields. They do really hard physical work. At the end of the day, when they go home to look after their menfolk, it's a really hospitable culture. And the culture, they invite visitors in and the women are expected to offer themselves to any visitors. So the women are hopelessly compromised um, in their sexuality because they have to be available to anybody who is there. Very vulnerable. And yet the most beautiful women with the most wonderful hearts. Tibet, Nepal, I think of um, a woman who I visited in Nepal, who, she was my age, and she looked around herself, and she had thought that the young women in her community were unable to read, and they ought to be able to read. She couldn't read, but she thought reading was the way to go for these young women. So she'd gone to her church. She didn't go to the church, and she said, could you help me to do a literacy project for these women. And the church had said, yes, of course we will. We believe in women. And so she had set up a literacy project in her village. And for that, the men of the village had stoned her. That was Nepal. Um, in Ethiopia, I met a little woman, tiny little woman who had been a beggar woman. And her, um, her husband had not been able to make any money, and she hadn't either. And so she'd gone out to beg on the streets in order to put food on the table for her children. But she hadn't been able to get very much money because on the streets, women who beg are not only abused by passers-by, but also by other male beggars who kick them and put them at the bottom of the pile. So because she hadn't made very much money, her husband had left home and left her with the children, and she had nothing. But she went to the church, and they said, yeah, come in. We believe that God loves women like you. And they had helped her to um, work out how to save in a little self-help group. And she had, little by little, with this group, saved quarter of a penny or whatever it was she could afford every week and she'd begun to be able to make a little business selling charcoal and by the time I met her she had managed to get her children back get her children back into her house give them a meal every day and send them to school and her husband was so impressed that he'd come back home as well interesting and she was on the point of giving her life to Jesus because she discovered that he didn't think she was not worth anything, which is what her society had told her. 
And she said, I feel quite proud of myself. And I want to know Jesus. I want to know this Jesus who loves me. But the thing is, that's in countries far away. What's it like in our country? Well, it's rather a current conversation in the news, isn't it? Uh, that women are actually discovering that we have been very vulnerable to abuse and exploitation in all sorts of corners of our culture. And I think the hashtag MeToo campaign is probably just the tip of the iceberg, and there'll be a long conversation about that. What about in the church? What? Let's come really close to home. I'm very aware that there are many like me who are um, married and we have children and we feel really part of the church and valued. And I'm also aware that I'm part of a glorious sisterhood where there are many women who don't feel quite so central in the church simply because they haven't got a husband or they haven't got children, or they're there on their own for one reason or another. And some of them might be sitting right here. And I want you to know that we are a sisterhood, and none of us should feel on the side just because of our social circumstances. And I'm really sorry, and I apologize here now on behalf of the church, for when we've made it look as if the church is for families and for people who are married, and they're the ones who are really important or really going for it, because that's not the truth. And the women who are on their own in our churches are often, in my mind, the heroines. I know so many women who have not got married, not because they couldn't, but because they have chosen to be faithful to the Lord and not just go with any guy who's not even a believer. That woman's a heroine to me. I know there are women, and I've watched them because I've had daughter, I have daughters myself. And one of my daughters uh, dearly was married, is married, and dearly wanted a baby. But babies don't always come. And you know, watching your own daughter, as well as others in the church I know, who have longed for children and haven't been able to have them, but still believe in the Lord and still worship and still hang on to him, do you know, they are holy. And that is an incredible thing to see. In my mind, they're right at the center. And then there are other women who come who are on their own because their husbands won't come with them, or they haven't got a husband and maybe they're divorced, uh, or they are widowed indeed, as this psalm talks about. And you know, there are many things apart from that that can make us as women feel quite vulnerable. Not necessarily in the church, but if you come to the church in the evening and then you have to walk home in the dark afterwards, I don't know about you, but I feel quite vulnerable. There are many things that can make us feel vulnerable, maybe in the workplace, like we've been talking about in the news. 
And what this psalm is saying is that God is a defender of widows. And he's not a cotton wool God. He's a powerful God. He's the God who rides on the storm. And he is the defender of of widows. He is the defender of every woman who feels vulnerable and who needs protection. And we all do in one way or another. And he will come forth. And before... um, I'm going to ask uh, Anne to come up and do a little, I think you might call it an activation. I don't know, that just sounds like a very good word to me. Um, But she's going to lead us in something which I hope you're going to find really helpful. But I want to just tell you about a story. Don't worry, come by all means. Um, (laughs) I just want to tell you a story because it has moved me in the last few days And I'm going to share it with you. Um, It's about a woman called Debbie who's come to our church. And uh, people only come to our church, which is a little church in a house at the moment, because their friends invite them. And uh, one of our girls met Debbie at an adoption, adult adoptees get-together. I don't know what it was called exactly. But anyway, they were all adopted and they got together and shared their their, uh, experiences. And um, Joy, in our church, started sharing some of the scriptures that had really helped her with Debbie. And Debbie found them really helpful. And then Joy said, do you want to come along and hear where we get together and read these scriptures? And um, Debbie said, yes, along she comes. And then she told us this story. She told me this story on the second week, and she told it to all of us yesterday. She had been abandoned as a baby by her mother who lived in the Middle East and had obviously got herself pregnant and uh, shouldn't have. So she came over to England to have the baby and pass the baby on to someone in the family who was going to take this baby so she could go back to the Middle East and pretend nothing had happened. So Debbie should never have been here. Anyway, she was born. She was born in this country. But the member of the family who should have taken her decided she didn't, after all, want her. So she was now twice rejected. So then she was fostered and went into the care system. But the woman who fostered her also told her that she didn't really want her either. So that's how she grew up, thinking that no one wanted her but knowing that somewhere in the world she had a mother and a father. So as she became um, into her adult years, she thought, I want to find my parents. And uh, she found it very, very difficult to find her parents. They were uh, from a Muslim community. She became Muslim and um, tried to live her family life, but she just found it really difficult to uh, make, make any sense of her life at all. She got married. Um, actually, before she got married, she found herself on the street, and this is where she recognized that there was a God to start with. When she was on the street and homeless, someone came past who was a Christian pastor, pastor and talked to her, got her a home in a hostel, 
and gave her a Bible. She treasured the Bible. I don't think she ever read it because she's brought it to us and it looks pristine. That was about 20 years ago. Then she got herself a job. She was walking home late one night and she was mugged. And in her handbag, she had by this time discovered a relative who had given her a photograph of her mother. In her handbag, she had the photograph and she was mugged and the, the, the men uh, took her handbag and left her on the street. And at that point, she cried out and said, God, I just want a picture of my mother. At which point, a car drove up, two men stopped and said, are you all right, love? What's happened? And she said, they've taken my handbag and I really want my handbag back. And they said, right, stay there, we're going. They went off, they found the people, they brought the handbag back, said to her, here's your handbag, what else can we do for you? And she said, that's what I really need. And they took her, actually, in their car back to her hostel and she never saw them again. Angels. And then she meets Joy. And Joy says, there are scriptures that can really help someone like you. Because God is a defender of widows defender of vulnerable women and so she's now with us and she's discovered who the God who is looking after her is his name is Jesus and she's so thrilled and this week she wrote to us all and she said I was feeling really down and I was looking for scriptures and I was looking on the internet and I found this scripture in Psalm 27 which says even when my father and mother forsake me the Lord will take me up do you think this is for me? She's on a journey. But you see, the Lord who protects those who are vulnerable, the women who are vulnerable, is right there. And even when we don't recognize him, he is there. He will protect us. Now, Anne, let me hand over to you for a moment. Team this and this is verse 11, if you didn't remember it. The Lord announces the word. I mean, we have been announcing the Lord's words. This is what it says. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Just that for the moment. Here's the first thing. The Lord who rides on the wings of the storm... And thunder and lightning are just like that to him. This is the Lord who speaks. He is the Lord of the living word. Jesus is the word. God is the word from the beginning. From the word go when he said, let it be created. God is the living word and he speaks. How does he speak? Well, this verse shows us that one of the ways he speaks is through us women. Through us women. What we say can be the Lord's word to someone else because you speak to someone else. And the women who, who uh, proclaim the Lord's word are a mighty throng. I don't think that just means that there's a lot of them. I think it also means that they are mighty women. If you're speaking that gift over yourself 
every day you will become mighty. And then, guess what? The Lord will begin to speak to you about words that you can give to others which are directly from him. You, as a woman, can be the messenger from God. You know, very often in the church, women haven't been allowed to speak. Maybe that happened before. I hope it doesn't happen still. But Jesus was never like that. Jesus chose a woman to be the first one to announce the news of the resurrection. And uh, this is really an aside, and I I hesitate to tell you this, but uh, John and I were doing a um, church weekend away, not very near here, so I don't think any of you will have been there. But we were talking about how God speaks, and he speaks through us, and then we said, now we want to give you the opportunity to do this, which is what we'll probably do as well. And we gave them a little bit of teaching, and we said, we can do this because the Holy Spirit speaks these words into our hearts. If you read in this psalm, you'll see there's some really difficult verses to understand about the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, it's feathers with shining gold suddenly seems to fall into the sky in verse 13 but the dove is the Holy Spirit it's through the Holy Spirit when we ask for the Holy Spirit he will give us words for others, he will he just will, we just need to tune our sets and I'll talk about that a little bit uh, in a moment, but anyway we did some teaching and then we got everyone to um, pray and prophesy over each other. We had a great time. Except that over lunch, well, after lunch, we had a little delegation of some of the leading men in the church. And they said something like this. You'll have to do some more on this because all our women can prophesy like they just fell into it. They understood exactly what you were talking about and they seemed to be able to do it, but none of us men can get with this. <laughs> now, I, did, I was quite surprised, but then I thought, there is something in us as women which is made to communicate and we find communicating, we are intuitive, we find communicating fairly easy. So when it talks about being prophetic, which is simply just speaking the words of God to someone else, actually, once we've had a little bit of teaching, we're with it. Do you know what, women? We have to help our men folk because some of them don't find it quite so easy because they've been told they're not intuitive and they have to have everything by the book. Well, we just need to help. Once the women started helping their men folk, the whole church started to get blessed. But I don't think it's by mistake that this says the Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Because when we start to prophesy, when we start to realize that God can speak to me and I can bless someone else, the church really starts to grow and grow strong. Paul puts it like this in Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, Uh, verse 3 those who prophesy or speak the words of God strengthen encourage and comfort the church strengthen encourage and comfort the church 
we need to look into our hearts to see if there is anything in us that wants to encourage others. When you see other people, when you see someone hurting, do you want to comfort them? Do you want to encourage someone who's looking nervous? Do you want to really speak words of strength into someone who knows they've got to do something but they just feel frightened? Most of us do. We give our hearts to the Holy Spirit and he comes along and he gives us words which will strengthen, encourage and and comfort others. That's simply what prophecy is. And proclaiming the word of the Lord makes a mighty throng, not just of the women of the church, but of everyone in the church, men, women, and children, however old we are. But the big question is, how do we do that? How do we tune our spirits, as it were, to hear the Holy Spirit? And this is something I realized I had to learn It's not like listening to someone with an audible voice. Although, when you think about it, as we learn how to listen, we are learning in a process. Every baby has to learn how to hear audible voices and understand them. And that's what we will have to do with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to uh, tell you that I am still learning I'm still learning. I don't always hear him clearly for one reason or another. I don't always seem to tune in. But as I try, I'm growing. As I go, I'm growing. And we just keep trying. So it's very easy for me to think sometimes, well, last time I did something like tried to speak a word from the Lord to someone, they didn't seem to think it was right. I'm not going to do that again. But that's not how you grow and learn. You grow and learn by repeating, by doing it, by learning from mistakes. Maybe you didn't make a mistake. Maybe just someone wasn't receiving something. So how do we learn? And you know, if we want to pray, God speaks to us. If we want to prophesy, God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. And he uses every sense that we've got. He uses our imaginations. He uses our memory. Do you sometimes find you suddenly remember something and you think, where did that come from? Our memory, our senses, our feeling, our touch. Sometimes when I've been praying for someone, I've suddenly felt as if I've got a pain, say, in my back. And I think that's odd. I didn't have a pain in my back before. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit nudging me to say, this is what the person I'm praying for has got. Sometimes the Lord will just use ordinary, everyday things. You know what earworms are? Tunes that you get stuck in your head. How many of you, you know, find yourself getting really annoyed by tunes that you get stuck in your head? I do that. Um, I've got one going around in my head today. It's a good one, though. (laughs) Anyway. But here's a story about how the Lord can speak to us through a tune that's going around in your head. I I was in a church, and I saw um, a woman sitting in the very back row, and she looked, from what I could see, 
um, a bit depressed. So I thought, I'll go up and offer to pray for her. And as I walked up, I was saying, Lord, show me what I can pray. And all of a sudden, I got this tune in my head. Some of you will know this, but it's a Gilbert and Sullivan song. <laughs> it's, not, it's not spiritual. It goes, three little maids from school are we, filled to the brim with girlish glee. Three little maids from school. <laughs> Something like that. That's about all the words I knew. And I can't ever remember going to uh, the theatre to ever hear that. And um, I didn't know where it came from, except all of a sudden this tune came into my head. So I went up and I said to the girl, can I pray for you? And she said, oh, yes, please do. I'm really, really lonely. I could tell that because she looked. You know how people can look. So it wasn't really discernment. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I remembered the song. And I said, I, I really want to pray for you because I really believe that God has two friends for you. And they're friends that you're really going to learn with. And she said, oh, yes, actually, now you say that, I think I know who those are. Because last week, she said, I was on a worship school. And uh, I shared a room with two girls, and we spent all night just chatting together and laughing and giggling. And um, I said, well, have you kept up with them? And she said, well, no, I didn't know whether I should, but I'm going to. Three little maids from school are we, filled to the brim with girlish glee. See, she could have lost her friends, and all I did was say a word to her, God's given you those friends, go after them. It doesn't have to be a big deal. I mean, I don't know whether that's changed her life. Maybe it changed her three months, I don't know. But, you know, we can have a word that will just pick someone up and it could come through a very ordinary thing. Just through one word of seeing something in your imagination. And as soon as you do that, say, well, Lord, what might you be saying to me through that? And if you believe that the Lord shows you what it is, then that can be it. Just like I said uh, you know, I think the Lord's got two friends for you because I'd heard this song in my head, three little girls from school. If the, if the Lord doesn't show you what it is, then just offer them the picture of whatever you give them. You know, I, I just see you. Um, some friends of mine said to a girl they didn't know as they were praying, I see you on a bridge and there's a man on the bridge with you and I don't know what it means. And she said, I was going to jump off a bridge and a man came along and took me off and told me to come to this meeting. So let's uh, be alive to the Holy Spirit. Do you want to encourage people? We've got a moment, haven't we? We've got time. Let's stand up. Let's encourage each other. And let's practice this. Remember, if you're just practicing, you might get it wrong. That's fine. Are you all fine with that? But if you never try, nobody would ever get blessed. Do you believe that? Because if you say nothing, no one's going to get anything. But if you try something, 
you might discover that you really bless someone. So what I want you to do is just uh, turn around to each other and get yourselves into circles of about four or five. Okay? So uh, you don't have to move all over the room if you don't want. Just sort of turn around. Get yourself into a circle. Just, just, uh, doesn't matter how big your circle is, really. I just said four or five, because that might be practical. Okay. Uh, you can smile at each other. <laughs> okay, find out what the person on your left is called. Find out what their name is, if you don't know it. Okay, that's enough. Nobody's got that long a name. <laughs> okay, now what I want you to do is this. You may or may not know the person on your left very well, because it may be that they were in the row behind you or in front of you, and you didn't actually know those. But whatever we're going to do, we're going to encourage one another. So what I want you to do now is I want you to spend a moment in silence just praying for the person on your left. Uh, read this verse. Your procession, God, has come into view, the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians, and with them the young women playing the timbrels. We're all young, playing the tambourines. A sound of victory. The thing is, and that's what we're here to do, and that's what we're going to do as we close. I know we've got a lovely band here who are getting ready. I don't always feel in the mood to praise because things are hard sometimes. Things are difficult. I don't have enough. And what I'm really wanting to do is pray for God to give me something. I lack something, or whatever it is, or I'm sad... I don't always feel like praising. And here's the one thought I'm going to leave you with. And it's a thought that I've learned from Jesus. When Jesus didn't have enough, he gave thanks to God. When Jesus didn't have enough, he gave thanks to God. You say, when did Jesus not have enough? Well, Jesus had a huge crowd of 5,000 once, and they all came to lunch, and he hadn't got anything in the fridge apart from five loaves and two fishes. And all his friends said, that's not enough. That's not going to feed this crowd. We are going to be in Stuck because we haven't got enough money to go and buy enough stuff for these people. And Jesus said, just watch this. And he took the five loaves and two fishes, and those of you who know your Bibles, you know this story, and he did something with them which stunned them so much that when they returned to that same area where he did this, because he actually fed 5,000 people with, these, uh, with this little picnic, all they could think was not, gosh, he fed 5,000 people here, but what he did next, which was this. He lifted it up and he said, Father, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And he did it in front of everyone. 
could have made a real fool of himself. But that's what he did. He said, thank you for the little you've given me. I'm going to thank you for that. And then he said to his disciples, just get people into groups of 50 and hand it out. And they were just so obedient, like you were just then, standing up and doing what you probably didn't want to do. The miracle happened. When you're obedient, the miracle happens. But the lesson we really want to learn together is this. God has given us something. We have a little. We probably don't have enough. We probably don't have enough of anything in anywhere. But we look at the little he's given us and we lift it up and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you. And I know you're going to do a miracle, so I'm just going to praise you anyway. Now let's stand up, because we are going to praise him. And um, I just want to leave you with that thought, that many of us need miracles. Yeah, let me give you back it. <laughs> many of us need miracles. And as we praise him, Miracles begin to happen. It's like the doors open for miracles. Healing, financial provision, uh, you know, the child that's gone away and is a prodigal. Whatever it is, whatever it is, praise the Lord. Let's be the praising women of this psalm and see him at work. The song we're going to sing was actually a request from the team in preparing tonight. Uh, it's a wonderful song. It's a wonderful